Greetings, Internet. I'm John Bailey, and on this week's episode of Popcorn Junkie, not much happened this week, so here's a bunch of stuff I watched on streaming. Salutations, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Popcorn Junkie here for a little Netflix and chat. Alright. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. It's been a bit of a bit of a week. Uh, uh, I was trying to uh, binge through Star Wars: The Clone Wars because the uh, final season dropped on Disney Plus, but um, I only got two seasons in, so I'm gonna hold off until I finish the series to talk about it. But uh, yeah, uh, it's it's been quite a week because the other thing that's been happening is. Um, I've been working on a bunch of other, my other projects. Uh, uh, John of the Pokemaniac over on YouTube, my Let's Play channel. Uh, I've been uh, cr- uh, cramming in a backlog for Dungeons and Dragon types. We just finished uh, in, in living in the stacks uh, for the last month, and then now we're trying out something new. But uh, this week, I didn't even notice any major entertainment news. Like... Recently, we had the, I mean, the the Trolls thing was probably the biggest news recently. Other than that, it's just like, Nicolas Cage set to play the Tiger King in a TV thing. So, it's like slim pickings. Like, I just, I'm, the only other thing that I learned is, like, Andy Serkis is set to play Alfred, which I don't even know if that's news. So, I mean, like, there's no, it's slim pickings right now. Uh... So, rather than try to do a major discussion about what happened, uh, uh, here's stuff I watched. Um, I checked out the Disney Gallery, uh, the behind-the-scenes about the Mandalorian. There have been interesting roundtable discussions. Uh, I did not know, for instance, that Bryce Dallas Howard directed one of the episodes. Uh, I also learned recently that, um, ah, what's her name, Deborah something. Uh, I don't want to say, I want to say Cho, Deborah. hold on, let me pull up. Mandalorian, but one of the directors of the Mandalorian is also set to show run something else for Disney Plus. Um, let me see, uh, Deborah Chow. I was close, uh, but Deborah Chow is set to um, uh, oh, she's set to do the uh, Obi Wan series for for Disney Plus. So good for her. Um, but yeah, like John Favreau talking to. Uh, Taika and Bryce and Deborah and uh, and I think what uh, Maloney I forget his no uh, one of the guys Rick mm, uh, Rick Fabiwa also was one of the directors he was great to talk to Dave Filoni uh, Dave Filoni who's been there since Clone Wars um, this is interesting because that's also what made me want to go back and check out Clone Wars was the fact that uh, this guy who's been you know one of the directors on The Mandalorian. And one of the major writers has been working with uh, Lucasfilm and Star Wars since the Clone Wars series, and yeah, it's it's real. They had a really interesting discussion in terms of the, of the directing, and then the second episode about Legacy was really interesting because you got some more insight into just how the impact of Star Wars for these uh, creative people. Uh, you also got to hear from Kathleen Kennedy in that one, and how she went back all the way to um, Indiana Jones. She's been with Lucasfilm. Uh, the other interesting thing I learned from that was that apparently Phantom Menace had the most miniature sets of any Star Wars film. 
you th- we think of the Phantom Menace and a lot of the um, prequels as being overly laden with CGI, but so many of those backgrounds in Phantom Menace were miniature sets, especially like the um, Padres Stadium. That was a miniature. So, I mean, the the fact that he Lucas was relying on miniature sets for a bunch of the uh, for a bunch of the set pieces is really interesting because that com- you know that kind of sets it in line with Lord of the Rings as well, who did used uh, a lot of miniature sets, especially in like the Two Towers and Return of the King. So yeah, it's really interesting. I'm very interested to see what the uh, next episode uh, has in store. But um, the other thing I watched, uh, I saw an article talking about Rick Moranis showing up in an episode of the show for Disney Plus about Honey, They Shrunk the Kids. And I checked it out. It's a show called Prop Culture. I'd never heard of it before, but it's this guy who collects a lot of film memorabilia and props from films, uh, being uh, going through various props and going through the Disney archives and kind of re- bringing in all of these people who, who worked on these films. So, like, he's done uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Chronicles of Narnia, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Muppet Movie, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids... Um, Tron he did as well. So he's gone through all of these props and he brings on a bunch of the old filmmakers, the old uh, actors. Uh, like he brought in the uh, three of the Pevensey kids to uh, show, to kind of, and, and brought back their uh, props from the movie. Uh, and it's this way of like resharing this moment in time with these people. Like he got to talk in the um, uh, Roger Rabbit one with both, uh, I forget his name, but the guy who voiced Roger Rabbit, who sounds pretty much the same, even after all these years, after 30 plus years, uh, he sounds just, you know, he sounds just the same when he does the Roger Rabbit voice. And he also talked with like Kathleen Turner and yeah, he talked, and so he talked with Rick Moranis about Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, but he also brought in a couple of the other kids that were there. He brought, he talked to, um, uh, Joe Johnston, who I did not know, who I not only did not know directed Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, I knew he directed The Rocketeer, I knew he directed Captain America, and I knew he directed the third Star, uh, uh, third Jurassic Park movie. I did not know he directed Jumanji and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. So, I mean, this guy has a quite the pedigree to his name from my childhood. This guy has a major... Um, stamp on my childhood and early adulthood so good for him he's a great director he's a he's a very underrated director i think um but yeah he so he this guy would go around uh and talk to he talked to like brian henson the current head of uh, the jim henson company and uh, a bunch of the other like costume designers uh he went pipe to the caribbean one he went down to where they filmed and he talked to like some of the extras and some of the and one of the costume designers moved down there afterwards, and so they kept some of the old pirates memorabilia on you know in the town as like you know like hey we were the town that, that where they shot Pirates of the Caribbean uh, Curse of the Black Pearl, so it was really interesting to get some insight into like the filmmaking process and the aftermath of these things and the impact all of these things have through the lens of props. Through the lens of these, you know, little memorabilia and little aspects of the film that nobody ever really thinks about. So he took things like the costume from Tron and the cutout from Roger Rabbit, as well as the stand-in Roger Rabbit for when 
so that the uh, actors had something to look at when they were filming. Yeah, uh, you know, all the shrunken stuff, and even the shrink ray from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Uh, the Studebaker from the Muppet movie, which leads me into what I watched next, which was the 1979 Muppet movie. Uh, after watching that episode, I was like, I need to rewatch the Muppet movie. And it did, and it holds up after 40 years. It's been 40 years of the Muppet movie, and it still holds up really well. Like, the full body puppet work and the the humor is still timeless and i think what works about the muppet movie is the timelessness comes from the fact that it's vaudevillian which is very waka waka slapsticky and very punny so it's not based in like like the most dated thing about it is the celebrity cameos because they have like richard pryor steve martin madeline Kahn, carol kane uh cloris leachman orson welles uh, Mil uh, Milton Berle, uh, the guy who, they, they had the guy who does uh, Charlie Kaufman, the puppet, and his puppeteer. Uh, so, I mean, it's dated in the sense that it, it had comedians that were still around in, the, in 1979, but it's still, like, everything else about it still holds up. Like, uh, turn to the left of the fork in the road, and they find a gigantic fork in the road. <laughs> um... That, you know, the things like, uh, you know, so, I mean, it's it's just, like, weird, like, one-liners. Uh, there's, there's an ongoing joke about, uh, I feel like we're lost. Well, have you tried Hare Krishna? <laughs> it's like, th that style of humor feels ageless. It's always been around, but it's never quite felt like it's aged. Like, you could, you could still do these kinds of jokes in a modern setting, because they don't age. They're still perfectly tight, because it's all wordplay and puns, and it's like, it's silly and slapsticky, and it's, I, I want more Muppet stuff like this, and I feel like they've watered down the Muppets. Like that last show where they tried to be The Office or 30 Rock, and I was like, this is fine, because it's still the Muppets, but like, where's the fun Muppets? Like, where's the wacky Muppets, where there's explosions and craziness and things going wrong and you know it's you know that they do the shorts and stuff for youtube they're fine it's just like for some reason they're not really getting into the spirit of the muppets and i don't know why they're not doing that like some of the other handsome stuff really gets it but for some reason they're not letting the muppets be the muppets i don't know i still think disney plus would make bank if they did a weekly snl style variety show with special guests I mean, you could try putting it on ABC, but I think it, it will draw more people into Disney Plus, uh, and it would just be, you know, it, and they could allow for more fun stuff that they couldn't on TV. I don't know. Um, not that Disney Plus is going to go much harder than dirt network television, but yeah, I, I think I think the Muppets. I really want a Muppet variety show once again, and I feel like that it really like Disney is not letting the Muppets go to their full potential. Uh, the last thing I really watched was Solar Opposites. This is Justin Roiland's new show for Hulu. It dropped all at once, which is uh, uh, interesting to me because that's a Netflix thing. Like, everywhere on else besides Netflix will air it weekly. But for some reason, Net Hulu decided to drop all of Justin Roiland's new show at once on Friday. And it's really interesting. Um, it's a lot more wholesome than Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty has a lot of Dan Harmon's acrid sort of like nihilism. Like it's, it's very like his sort of um, 
Which isn't a bad thing. It works for Rick and Morty, but a lot of that is, you know, a lot of what makes Rick and Morty what it is comes from both Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon making it. Whereas this is much more of Roiland taking the reins and being goofy. So it's a sitcom about uh, an alien family staying on Earth as their pupa sets de develop and destroy the planet. And it's very much Justin Roiland's improvisational, like, um, dialogue where it's not where you hear the ums and the, and the brain farts and like the pauses as he's figuring out what to do what to say next and like it like he does with rick and morty and you also got that same art style with like the with the weird like uh swatted fly eye uh pupils in the eyeballs and it's very and it's very much you know so a lot of the same stuff from rick and morty is there in terms of like the sci-fi and the humor but it's not so not, it doesn't. It's not so self-loathing, whereas Rick and Morty very much has a lot of Dan Harmon's own self-loathing and misanthropy and nihilism in it, and this is much more like a goofy, goofy sitcom because you also got Thomas Middleditch in here. You've got um, Christina Hendricks as a recurring character throughout the first season. Andy Daly's in there. Alfred Molina is in here. Um, uh, Wendy Sue McClendon is, I think, their uh, one of their teachers. There's this whole episode where um, uh, the daughter, quote unquote, daughter, uh, the youngest, of the younger of the replicants who has no gender, <laughs> um, they do establish that. Uh, uh, but uh, she is she is tasked with. You know, just sm smashing through a glass ceiling for her grade. <laughs> it's, it's like a throwaway line from the teacher. It's like, girls, your task for your grade is to get in, to pass this class is to smash through a glass ceiling. And throughout the episode, she tries so hard to, you know, be the first girl to do anything. And the whole time, it's just like, uh, no. Oh, no, it's not that you're a girl. It's that, you know, we already have a dog. You know, like, one is you can't let me... Uh, you're not going to let me on your football team. I'm going to smash through this glass ceiling. Oh, no, we've had plenty of girls play on the football team. No, we can't have you be a kicker because we had a dog be a kick. We had the... Yeah, you know, we just had to convince the board to let our do let a dog be our kicker. And then he just... So, like, throughout the episode, her thing is, like, trying to, you know, break through a glass ceiling, smash the patriarchy, and meanwhile, it's already been done before, so now every time she tries to, every, you know, thing she tries is met with, like, no, we already, you know, no, it's okay, you can do it, you know, you can join us, we let girls join us all the time, oh, I can't get a passing grade if I don't smash through a glass ceiling, um, which I think handles that whole, because the other part of that episode is a sitcom sort of, um, snarky housewife character is brought on because the two um the two main characters uh Cor Corvo and Terry uh, I believe uh they they get they get they get shown a man cave and so they think we need ourselves a man man uh man cave and so they they and so once they have the man cave built, they realize the only thing that's missing is an overbearing house, you know, overbearing housewife who doesn't want us in here. And so they build a robot to be the overbearing sitcom housewife. Uh, it's it, it's it's goofy in the same sense that Rick and Morty is, but it doesn't have the 
like overarching storyline that Rick and Morty does for the most part. It's more like slice of life things. The only really overarching story is the miniaturized people that the um, older replicant, the the quote unquote son, uh, shrinks people down that he doesn't like, and he leaves them in this giant terrarium called the Wall. And that's where Christina Hendricks and Alfred Molina and Andy Daly all show up as like this post-apocalyptic society built as the as the people kept within the wall. <laughs> and this whole storyline goes on throughout the season about what's going on in the wall. And it's, it's, it's absolutely insane. I love it. So yeah, if you haven't checked it out yet, if you, if you want to try Rick and Morty but don't like the sort of... Um, douchey fan base that it's cultivated with its very nihilistic mindset and very, you know, misanthropic sort of storytelling. This is, try this on for size. This might be, this might, this is a lot more, uh, this is a lot of the flavor of Rick and Morty without any of like the, the sourness to it. It's a lot more of the sort of goofiness. So yeah, give it a shot. Uh, there's also a lot of they don't you know they don't uh, they aren't afraid to um, you know make, like just name drop Hulu a bunch of times. I have to watch Hulu. <laughs> so I mean, Royland is really leading the fact that this is a Hulu original series. Um, but yeah, it's they, they it's you know it's a lot of fun at that, and of course they throw in like this the the sitcom-y like, oh, I guess I learned my lesson this week over the course of these 20 minutes. So it's a lot, it's got a lot of that kind of meta humor to it. Um, it I honestly kind of feels like those Strange Planet comics, only with Royland's twisted sense of humor about it. Uh, also, the the second episode has a full-on murder, neo-Nazi murder spree. So that's like the second time uh, that Justin Royland's cartoon has had somebody beat the beat the ever-loving crap out of a Nazi on camera. Only this time now it's a lot more stabbing and, and eviscerating. So kudos to, to Justin for that. <laughs> Second episode, eviscerate all of the neo-Nazis. I approve. This is very much, this is Popcorn Junkie approved. <laughs> so yeah, that's really all I got the chance to watch this weekend. This episode's only been like, this episode hasn't even been 20 minutes. Whew. Um... I mean, I don't know what there is to talk about. Uh, I do know that there's, I have concerns about, you know, them reopening theaters soon. Because like, there's talk of it, but I really feel like it's a bad idea at this point, And I'm not sure I, I'm I'm good on doing it. Uh, I know Scoob, have, they've been advertising Scoob to come out on May 15th. So I know that's coming. Um, actually, let's take a look at what's all come out. I missed Spaceship Earth. And I missed Valley Girl. I'll have to find out where those are. They may be for rent. I may have to try out uh, Redbox at some point. Um, yeah, I didn't see anything about that Not Safe for Work. A lot of the stuff is not doesn't seem to be showing up on like Netflix. or I haven't been on Amazon Prime for a while. Um, yeah, let's, I'm checking out the numbers, seeing what's released on, uh, on, on tomorrow. That's a Capone thing with Tom Hardy as Al Capone. That's coming from Vertical Entertainment. Not sure when that's coming. I heard some bad thing. I heard it's pretty bad. I'll have to see if it comes my way. I do think I should. I do think I should find out. Um, 
what's on like Redbox or something. That'll at least get me out of the house for a bit, so I'm not cooped up going crazy. Um, there's a couple of things that are self-distributed headsets. I don't know what that means. Uh, something called the Trader on Sony from Sony Pictures. Oh, uh, it's an Italian movie called Il Traditore. So that's interesting. Uh, and then coming later in the week, we've got, uh, once again, Scoob is coming out on Friday. Uh, I'm guessing that's going to be coming direct-to-video the same way that uh, Trolls did. Something called Blood and Money. You've got something called... Oh, Amazon is finally releasing Seaberg, uh, which was the... Um, what's their name? Story. Uh, Jean Seaberg. Uh, it's about... Yeah, she's a French New Wave actress played by Kristen Stewart. You've got Anthony Mackie in there and uh, Zazie Beetz. And it's all about how um, this French New Wave actress is driven crazy for helping to support and falling in love with um, a civil rights activist uh, who played by Anthony Mackie. So it's, you know, it kind of addresses the fact that, you know, she's a white chick. She's not really, she's not really part of the cause because she doesn't know the struggle, you know, and that's true. And I've heard mixed things. I've heard some people say it glorifies her too much. I've also heard some people say, you know, it's a fantastic movie and Christian Stewart's great in it. So I, I did it pique my interest. I'm very curious to see what people say now that it's going to come out on, like, video. And then the other things coming out to Netflix, we've got Spelling the Dream, which sounds like a documentary. Yep, documentary. I'm guessing about spelling bees. Doesn't have a lot of information. And The Wrong Missy, which is comedy from Happy Madison. Okay, so this is the latest from... Oh, God damn it! I know this one. I saw the trailer for it. Okay, uh, David Spade falls in love with a girl played by... Um, I think Molly Sims is the actress. And he texts her but she shares the name with a very with a much more annoying girl played by lauren lapkiss it's got nick swordson and rob schneider and it looks unwatchable so i may sit through that this week we'll see uh, oh also the uh, unbreakable kimmy schmidt movie is coming out so maybe i'll catch up on kimmy schmidt as well i've got a whole, that means i got a whole bunch of stuff because i'm still trying to get through clone wars uh I think that's about it. That's all that's really coming out this week. Um, yeah, there's no really other news. I'll see if... Uh, yeah, here we go. Let's check out the numbers for their news. Uh, VOD, uh, something watched at home chart. Reruns dominate home viewing. Uh, DVD releases. Apparently Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, got a Blu-ray release. Uh, VOD stuff, 2020 May preview. So yeah, there's like nothing going on uh, over here uh, There's in terms of entertainment. The, all the big stuff happened last month. So uh, we'll see if anything interesting happens this week. Uh, so yeah, that about does it for this week's episode, which means it is time for the plugs. If you're listening to this podcast, you're most likely listening to us on our homepage at GummyCatNetworks.com. And if you want to keep up to date on all the new episodes as they come out, you can do so by whitelisting us on your ad blocker and favoriting us on your web browser. And while you're here, check out some of our other fine programming. We've got Dungeons & Dragon Types, Living in the Stacks, 
And, of course, um, all of the Snarkast stuff, Once More with Feeling, Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, the family business. And if you're a self-art podcaster and would love to join our fledging little family, you can do so by sending us any inquiries to gumbycatnetworks at gmail.com, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. If you want to find this podcast and your other podcast providers, you can do so at uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spreaker, Stitcher, iHeartMedia, Google Play, Spotify. And uh, if we're not available on your podcast provider of choice, let us know so we can add ourselves to it. Leave a five-star rating and review. Let people know that you like the show and that they should check it out as well. You can also find us on social media. The Facebook home is facebook.com slash popcornjunkie. Twitter is cor- at cornjunkiepod. Instagram is Popcorn Junkie Podcast. I'm really not there. Uh, Letterboxd is Corn Junkie Pod. I'm most active there recently because I'll put reviews for the movies on there. And then uh, Stardust is Popcorn Junkie. I really need to get back in the swing of that. Uh, I'm going to try this week. Uh, catch up on everything that I've covered so far. Uh, maybe include some of them. Actually, you know what? I'll, I'll just start afresh. Rather than try to... Try to... Um, weigh myself down with this back catalog of stuff I need to catch up on. I'll just, you know, start with, start with, start brand new. Um, but yeah, and then, yeah, if there's anything else you want to say to me, so you can comment on on my social media, or you can uh, send me an email at um, popcornjunkiepodcast at gmail.com. And if you are able to, uh, you can support the show at patreon.com slash popcornjunkie. We have all 10 episodes of Make a Better Movie and Munch Alongs there. And then if you're a patron, you have uh, not only the ability to suggest content, both for those two shows uh, that are exclusive to Patreon, but also stuff for me to review on this show, on the public show. And then maybe if we can get enough patrons going, we can start other uh, side projects as well. But... um, no, that's only that's only help. That will only come if you're able to help the show out yourself. So if you want to help the show grow, you can. Otherwise, you you know you, your best the best thing to do is share the show with others. That does it for this week's show. Until next time, I'm John Bailey, and hopefully something will happen between this week and next, so I can actually talk about something. theme song for Popcorn Junkie is Funky Popcorn by The M. Look at Funky Popcorn by the letter M on SoundCloud for more of their music. Artwork provided by Nafio. N-A-F-Y-O. Look up nafio.deviantart.com for more of his artwork. every generation a slayer is born one girl in all the world a chosen one and alongside her are the watchers we are the watchers once more with feeling is a 20th anniversary buffy fan cast where we gather and watch episodes of buffy discuss them and release it every tuesday Grr, arg. <laughs>